You're listening to All About Agriculture with Rory Lewandowski, presented by OSU Extension in Wayne County, Ohio. Well, a very good morning and welcome back. Behind the scenes interview time here on Worcester Radio and joining us in studio across the way on the other microphone, Rory Lewandowski from the OSU Extension office here in Wayne County is always talking agriculture. Rory, I bid you a very good morning. Yeah, good morning, Ron. Glad to be here. Well, we're going to be talking about interpreting and understanding forage test results. On our previous program, listeners may remember that we talked about how to correctly sample a forage and then submit the sample for lab analysis. Today, we're going to kind of continue that discussion and talk about how to interpret and understand the terms and numbers on a forage test result report. So, Rory, as we begin, can you give us an overview maybe of some of the essential information provided by a forage analysis. Sure. Well, every lab, first of all, offers various forage test packages. Uh, But I think the forage test really needs to provide information in several broad categories to help you evaluate the quality of the forage and then make decisions about uh, what production class that forage is best suited to and how to use that forage uh, eventually in a ration. So every forage test should provide information about the dry matter content of the forage, uh, the fiber content, the crude protein content, and the ash content at a minimum. Now some other useful information that may also include uh, some of the energy contents of the forages. Those are calculations that are done. Uh, Some folks like to get the mineral analysis, a fiber in vitro digestion number, and for corn silage, uh, possibly a starch digestibility and pH value could be useful. Rory, let's talk about some of these measures in, in, in more detail. Beginning with dry matter, why is dry matter important, and how do I use that number on a forage test result? Well, again, the flip side of dry matter is moisture content, uh, so think about it in that way. The dry matter content is a percentage on the report that's telling you what that moisture content of the forage is, and that number tells you something about how well the forage is going to store, and is necessary also to determine how much of that forage can be included in the ration on an as-fed basis. Now, for example, if I see a dry hay coming back with a dry matter content uh, below 85%, it could indicate a potential problem with mold developing because ideally I want hay below 15% moisture for long-term storage stability. In ration formulation, dry matter content plays a role in determining and adjusting the quantity of a particular forage that's included in a given ration. Rory, I know that that fiber content is also an important measurement when talking about forage quality. What's that relationship, if, if you could go into detail there? On the forage test report, how is forage fiber measured? And again, how are those terms defined? Sure. Well, in general, as forage plants mature, the amount of fiber increases, and this results in decreased digestibility. So there is a relationship between fiber digestibility and the energy content of forages. So if a cow is able to digest fiber, that results in energy available to that animal. Fiber measurements then are used to predict the energy content of forages. And the two most commonly used terms in a forage analysis are acid detergent fiber, or sometimes just ADF is the term used, or neutral detergent fiber, again abbreviated as NDF. Now NDF, uh, neutral detergent fiber, is a measure of cell wall components, uh, including hemicellulose, cellulose, and lignin. 
acid detergent fibers to percentage of just cellulose and lignin forage fiber. And of these components, cellulose and hemicellulose can both be digested by rumen bacteria to some extent. Lignin, however, uh, you know, unless you're a termite, is totally undigestible and the lignin content of a forage will increase as forage matures. So in general, uh, our acid detergent fiber, ADF, we use that to oftentimes to predict energy, while NDF, neutral detergent fiber, is used to predict animal intake. Talking again with Rory Levandusky from the OSU Extension Office. Rory, with that as background, help me understand what the numbers attached to ADF or NDF mean. How do I know if I have a low or a high quality forage simply by looking at those two sets of numbers? Also, one other question, are there some ranges that you can provide as well that, that you need to be looking for? Yeah, those are good questions. Uh, first, I think it's important to understand that there are fiber differences between uh, grasses and legumes. Grasses just naturally contain more hemicellulose as compared to legumes. So. Uh, if you remember that NDF, neutral detergent fiber, is the fiber measurement that includes hemicellulose. So our NDF value is really a better fiber measurement to compare grasses with legumes. And it's a better way to estimate the value of grasses or grass-legume mixtures in the ration. So high-quality legumes uh, generally have an ADF, that's the acid detergent fiber again, numbers in the mid-20s to low-30s. Their NDF numbers, again, of a high-quality legume are going to be in the high 30s to mid-40s. High-quality grasses, now, on the other hand, uh, those ADF numbers are pretty similar to uh, a high-quality legume, low 30s, maybe low 40s, but their NDF numbers are going to be considerably higher because they have more natural hemicellulose. So a high-quality grass is going to have NDF numbers in the 50 to 55% range. And as those NDF numbers get above 65%, then intake becomes a limiting factor because of the rate of passage through that room and slows down, and we just can't move enough material through the animal. In dairy rations, then, the term NDFD, or neutral detergent fiber digestibility, is really what's used in ration formulation. Uh, so this is a test done in a lab. They're using test tubes with rumen fluid to determine the digestibility of forage for a specified incubation period. Uh, oftentimes that might be, a, for example, 30 hours. That results then in an improved prediction of the energy value of the forage. So that NDFD number is used to predict the dry matter intake potential of a forage, and you also see it correlated then with the milk yield potential. Rory, I often hear livestock owners talking about the crude protein content of a forage or grain. What do we need to know about the crude protein number on a forage test? Yeah. Well, cows, calves, and heifers all have varying dietary requirements for protein as it's related to maintenance, milk production, growth, and gestation. So forages do vary in their crude protein content, again, based on species and the maturity at harvest. And the other thing we have to keep in mind is that not all crude protein is equal. Some crude protein is more readily degradable in the rumen, uh, Others are, are degraded outside the rumen, so we have both uh, rumen-degradable and rumen-undegradable fractions of, of protein. Uh, in addition, we have forages that can have heat damage or insoluble crude protein, uh, and that could certainly be a concern this year when we have forages that are put up too wet. We can get heat damage, uh, this, and that heat damage results when forages, again, they're baled too wet, and then they overheat. 
Uh, they undergo a, a reaction called a, a Maillard reaction. Now, these forages may be discolored. They have a sweet odor. Uh, cattle can actually readily consume these forages, but they're not getting the full value of that crude protein. And for this reason, there's a term called adjusted crude protein, or ACP, on forage tests that's reported. When that adjusted crude protein is greater than 10% of the total crude protein, then we use that adjusted value in ration formulation. As we wrap things up here this morning, Rory, talk a little bit about ash content. Why is that significant, and what does somebody out there need to do with the ash numbers when you're talking about a forage test? Yeah, I think this might be one area of a forage test that sometimes is overlooked, but that uh, we have to remember that ash in forages comes from two sources, both internal and external. The internal sources represent minerals, uh, things like calcium, magnesium, potassium, and phosphorus. The external sources, on the other hand, uh, that represents contamination, uh, typically from soil, bedding, or sand. The average internal ash content of alfalfa is about 8%, and for grasses, the average internal content of ash is 6%. So higher ash values indicate contamination, again, generally from soil, uh, and they can be significant because ash dilutes the energy content of forages. Uh, it can cause reduced intake and cause even potentially some mineral deficiency problems. Now, according to Bill Weiss, OSU uh, dairy nutritionist located at the OARDC in Worcester, the following ash contents can indicate some potential problems. So if you have an alfalfa hay and you have an ash content greater than 12%, uh, that should raise a flag. Uh, if it's greater than 11% in alfalfa silage, that could be a concern. And if it's greater than 9% in grass hay, uh, that can be a, a concern. Uh, if you have a grass silage, if it's greater than ash content greater than 12%, should raise a flag. And in corn silage, an ash content of greater than 6% uh, should indicate a flag. Because again, ash takes the place of nutrients on a one-to-one -one basis. So it's going to negatively impact the quality of the forage and your milk yield potential. Rory, I think more so than, than even usual, we covered a lot of terminology today. We've thrown out a lot of numbers as well when talking about this. Where can someone get more information about understanding and interpreting forage test results if they, they heard what we were saying, but it didn't right. necessarily register? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's very common, so we did throw out a lot today. They can contact me at the Wayne County Extension Office at 330 264-8722. I'd be glad to provide them with more information, including some of the publications and documents that they used uh, in this program and the references cited. Uh, get them that information. Uh, they can also check out the Wayne County Extension website. Uh, we'll, we'll be posting these radio programs, again, uh, courtesy of WQKT. Uh, so again, uh, get a hold of us, and we'll be glad to help them out any way we can. All right. Once again, our guest in studio today, Rory Levandusky, Joining us here on Behind the Scenes from the OSU Extension Office in Wayne County. Rory, thanks again for taking the time and look forward to seeing you soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Ron.